When we climb into our cars, we feel safe and protected by the technology. Many of us take it for granted that our vehicles will get us from point A to point B and back home again safely. But that was rarely the case for astronauts piloting the space shuttle. It made a total of 135 manned space flights from 1980 to 2011. Two of these ended in disaster, the Challenger in 1986 and the Columbia in 2003. Both resulted in the deaths of all seven crew members. One expert, Matthew H. Hirsch, raises serious ethical questions about the engineering choices people made due to political and economic pressures. The more I studied the space shuttle, the more I realized that engineers were actually never really complacent in that they never really thought the space shuttle was safe. They were never really lulled into a false sense of security or satisfaction. They just had a very different understanding and estimation of risk. And the more I studied the space shuttle, the more I realized that it actually wasn't a maintenance failure, that its loss was not due to what Vaughn described as the normalization of deviance, that it was not due to an organizational dysfunction within NASA, but rather to design decisions that were made very early in the program that traded safety for expediency, with the expectation that the space shuttle would never actually fly long enough to actually fail although the expectation among engineers was that if it did fly for as long as it actually did, there would be probably between one and three catastrophic failures of the vehicle and loss of crew, which is exactly what happened. Matthew H. Hirsch is an associate professor of the history of science at Harvard University and author of the book Dark Star, A New History of the Space Shuttle. He believes that the Nixon administration initiated the space shuttle program for two reasons. The first was to deploy spy satellites into space, and the second was a political maneuver to bolster the president's re-election strategy. Nixon was aware of the increasing sensitivity of the public to environmental matters and concerns about social justice, that he could somehow spin the space shuttle into a vehicle that would solve the ecological crisis, and even said that as much, and even the problems of race in America, which is really quite fascinating. So with one fell swoop, he could create a kind of space vehicle that would solve all of his leading geopolitical and domestic political problems. And when NASA came up with a device that they thought would be a suitable vehicle to do this, it cost $12 billion. And Nixon's cabinet said, well, that's great, but do it for six. And that led to the problems that were encountered. I think it actually was quite clever for these scientists and engineers to come up with something that looked like a space shuttle that they could build for half the money. But at the time they said, this is not safe. And this is not something that you're going to want to keep for a very long time because it doesn't do what you need it to do. The idea for a space airplane that would have wings and a cockpit for aviators had been floating around scientific circles since the 1920s. German engineers said the design would be impractical and dropped the idea. And yet, the fantasy continued to reemerge. Finally, technological advancements in the 1960s made the design plausible. But the pitch associated with it is that this vehicle would also be completely reusable. You wouldn't have to throw away rockets each time you tried to launch people or stuff into space. It would land on a runway, which means you could dispense with the naval armada that was necessary to recover space vehicles after they returned to Earth. And that combining these factors, one would create economies of scale that would make it very cheap to launch people and cargo into space and usher in a kind of golden age of space exploration. In order to meet budget restrictions, safety concerns were not a priority. Hirsch says that for years, commentators blamed NASA for these deficiencies, but he says it wasn't NASA's fault. 
there was an argument that NASA became ultimately a dysfunctional organizational culture that didn't have the ability to manage programs safely. And I think that NASA has probably been beaten up about this more than it should. It has a very, very difficult job, and what it's trying to do is nearly impossible. And I think it's probably as effective as any organization in history in managing really complex technical problems. It was given an impossible task because the space shuttle that was approved in 1972 was a cut-rate budget model that cut all kinds of corners in order to give the major constituencies what they wanted. And that was chiefly to give the Air Force a vehicle that was large enough to launch very sensitive national security payloads and to continue American civilian human spaceflight to satisfy the concern of Nixon's cabinet. Engineers and astronauts knew from the get-go that the space shuttle wasn't safe and grew frustrated when politicians equated its safety to commercial airline travel. This is dangerous work that the astronauts understood, and they hoped that their skill and that their knowledge of the system would help save their lives. But they also knew that they were flying a vehicle that was not very good and that there was very little they could do about that. And they were upset. They were not happy about it. Many astronauts from the 1960s who worked on the early on the space shuttle program actually made public statements to the effect that this is not a safe vehicle and people should not be flying it. And behind the scenes, there were a number of astronauts who were quite clear about their concerns, particularly Sally Ride, about the safety of the vehicle. Largely, it was political pressure that kept the space shuttle flying long past the point at which it should have been retired and replaced with something better. Hirsch says one of the ironies of building a spaceship that looks like an airplane is that wings don't perform any function in space. They're literally dead weight, and not only that, but they can create significant problems for you from re-entry heating when you're trying to return to Earth and other phases of the trip. It's just a large area that can be punctured, that can be broken, that can't generate any lift because there's no air in space. And so engineers who've said, why bother building a space vehicle with a large structure attached to it that is only useful during perhaps 1% of the space vehicle's operating life, when really what we should do is imagine an entirely different kind of vehicle that just works in space well and safely. And uh, capsules kind of are a compromise between these two particular ideas, and they have some ability to fly in the atmosphere, but they're also very good in space, and we know how to make them very well, and we can make them very, very safe. And that's why all of the leading space companies, both public and private entities, are basically working with some form of a capsule-type system. And even today, there are people asking, is space exploration really necessary? Each shuttle deployment costs billions of dollars. We have so many problems right here on Earth. War, poverty, hunger. Why not spend money on solving these issues rather than sending people into space? The question that has motivated most pioneers of space exploration has been the idea that humanity will never survive as a single planet species. Whether due to accident or neglect, our planet will become uninhabitable and humans have to be prepared to travel to other worlds if we wish for our culture to survive into the future. That is a really tough sell with Congress. It's hard to get anyone to think on a time scale of 100,000 years. And others say that space exploration serves a vital national cultural function, that national that our idea of ourselves demands that we do this. At the end of the day, Hirsch believes the reasons why we explore space are to advance human invention and innovation. Nine out of every $10 that gets appropriated to NASA gets spent on American universities and corporations. The space program is spending money on Americans to invent things and technologies that are useful. It's because of the space program that we have computers. It's because of the space program that we have a lot of the materials and other technologies that we use today. The United States government has been a profound 
an important, probably the most important incubator of science and technology, I would argue, in the history of the world. Next week, in the second half of the show, we'll speak with one of the former Space Shuttle program managers for a behind-the-scenes look at the Space Shuttle program. Matthew H. Hirsch's book, Dark Star, A New History of the Space Shuttle, is available now online and in select bookstores. To find out more about our guests this week, visit viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Instagram, X, and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Polly Hansen. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Our studio manager is Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Hey, it's your girl Lonnie Love, and this segment is brought to you by Metamucil. Are you ready to take charge of your digestive health? I know I am. That's why I'm teaming up with Metamucil for the two-week challenge. Metamucil's 4-in-1 fiber helps promote regularity. Unlike many fibers, Metamucil's psyllium fiber gels to trap and remove waste from your digestive system, helping you feel lighter and more energetic after just two weeks. Try the Metamucil two-week challenge today. Learn more at metamucil.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Coming up next week... Bessie was getting press, but it was only from the black press. White press was not interested in Bessie at first. Meet the first female pilot you've likely never heard of. Then. The space shuttle was always an experimental vehicle. And those of us that worked in the shuttle program were well aware of the fact that there were certain risks involved in every flight. The risks and rewards of the flawed space shuttle program. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints.